The Greatest Leadership Legacy, Thoughts on Parsha Vizot Tabracha. What endures when a leader leaves us? A lyrical passage in the Jerusalem Talmud informs us that when certain scholars died, their expertise and uniqueness died with them. When Ben Azai died, for example, diligent students ceased to exist. When Ben Zoma died, Torah interpreters ceased. When Rabbi Yoshua died, goodness ceased from the world. The list of scholars and the gaps they left are lengthy according to this piece of Jerusalem Talmud, Sota 9.16. This does not imply that they would never again be diligent students, expounders of Torah, goodness in the world, or the many other virtues and skills discussed. It suggests that these traits and behaviors were associated with particular scholars, and the world was significantly diminished without them. This is what is lost. But the Talmud here does not tell us what endures after a leader dies. For that, we turn to our Torah reading, Vizot Bracha. After an entire book of farewell speeches, Moses no longer spoke. He was spoken to. The last chapter of Moshe's life is one of the shortest in the Hebrew Bible, almost mirroring the pace at which a single human life is gone. One day, there is a pulse and a heartbeat. There is vibrancy. There is life. The next moment, there is not. The 12 verses in Deuteronomy 34 are all focused on this immense change in the Israelite universe. No one could ever replace Moshe. God spoke to Moshe face to face and performed signs and wonders through him. No one ever did what Moses did in the sight of all Israel, as we read in Deuteronomy 34:12. And then, just like that, his many decades of service were over. Here, Moshe is identified as God's servant an appellation of simplicity and profound honor. And Moshe, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beit Peor. To this day, no one knows where his grave is. Deuteronomy 34, 5 and 6. Moses was buried in enemy territory, opposite the place of one of his lowest points as a leader, as if the stain of this incident would forever remain close to him. Unlike the vast pyramids of Egyptian royalty and aristocracy, Moses' grave was unknown. It would neither become a place of cult worship nor single to those who survived Moshe that they should return to Moab. His death, like his life, was shrouded in mystery. There is a well-known argument in the Talmud, Bhavabhatra 15a, as to who wrote the last eight verses in the Torah. Was it Moses writing about his own death or Joshua, Moses' successor? Rabbi Shimon, using a proof text from Deuteronomy 31.26, argues that Moshe wrote every single letter in the Torah. God dictated each word, thus Moshe also wrote the last eight verses. Rabbi Huda claimed it was Joshua. Moses laid his hands on Joshua, imbuing him with God's spirit, which would allow him to write the final words of the Torah after Moses died. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. As we read in Deuteronomy 34.9, it is hard to imagine that Moses, with his characteristic humility, would have written lines like the closing verses of this chapter. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses. The Talmud adds one small, beautiful detail to the scene. Moses, if he wrote these last eight verses, did so in tears. How could he not cry over his own death, over leaving the Israelites whose joys and burdens he carried these past 40 years, over not being allowed into the promised land? We now sense the full force of the drama of these last days of Moshe's life, writes Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. 
Moses knew he was about to die, knew he would not cross the Jordan and enter the land he had spent his entire life leading the people towards. Moses, confronting his own mortality, asks us in every generation to confront ours. Contemporary research suggests that when leaders have thoughts about death, they tend to want more power rather than less. They're more generous with their charity and have an increased sense of purpose. Social scientists call this reality check mortality salience. Manfred Ketz de Vries, a professor of leadership development and organizational change, writes in Death, the Ultimate Motivator, that death anxiety underlies much executive behavior and action. And as this anxiety intensifies, there are three common maladaptive responses. The first he calls the manic defense. Leaders, he claims, protect themselves from death through workaholism, what he calls an executive's immortality system. Overwork is both valorized and compensated in many work environments, which blinds leaders from seeing the underlying cause of the tension they're really running from. This self-generated overload can be unhealthy for them and for those they work with. It can lead, according to DeVries, to low morale, enhanced turnover, substance abuse, and other collateral damage. The second problem this denial amplifies is a refusal to deal with succession issues. The leader tells herself, if I keep going, I will not die. This can create situations where leaders hold on to positions long past their prime and lessen their own impact and efficiency. The third issue DeVries identifies is what he calls the edifice complex. Leaders afraid of death want to create tangible legacies. I cannot die, but if I do, I will live on in bricks and mortar, or I will create unrealistic or unfair expectations that the next generation continue my legacy. In this way, I will still live. Returning to our Cedra, we might examine Moshe's death in light of these three defenses. Moses certainly worked around the clock, but his position was never something he personally desired. He refused several times and even threatened to stop leading when he felt himself unable to do the work. Moses had a healthy desire for succession, even telling God explicitly that there cannot be a flock without a shepherd. By lovingly placing his hands on Joshua, he demonstrated that he was not trying to hold on to leadership by obstructing Joshua's success. And lastly, Moses neither built nor commanded others to build something tangible as a physical testimony of his leadership. His only building project was the Mishkan that enabled God to abide with God's people. Unresolved death anxiety, DeVries writes, can result in heightened stress and psychological burnout. Instead of resorting to the three behaviors he warns leaders against, he advises people to confront their mortality by building meaningful relationships with family and friends, giving charitable gifts, and processing the anguish of death with emotional maturity. Writing one's own death in tears is the way, according to one opinion in the Talmud, Moses faced his demise. He stopped pleading with God to let him into the land and instead turned his attention to a future without his existence. He gave us the ultimate and enduring gift of meaning to pass on to the next generation, the Torah. But Moses also gave us two other enduring gifts. We are told that Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Moses, whose young eyes saw social injustice and a burning bush, was taken from this world fully sighted. His strength remained intact. And in departing with these bodily functions undiminished, he left us the inheritance most necessary for developing Israel then and now. Vision and strength. So, 
In what ways have you confronted your own mortality and what legacy do you want to leave for those who come after you? Chazak, chazak, finit chazek. Thank you for joining us for a year of Torah study through this Parsha series, The Torah of Leadership, to honor the legacy of Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, a great scholar taken from the world too soon, who blessed his readers with years of writing on the weekly Sedra. In his merit, may we continue to listen and to learn, to teach, to care, and to lead. Please stay tuned for other exciting projects from the Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs Herrenstein Center here at Yeshiva University. I'll close with a quote from Rabbi Sachs. Leaders should never stop learning. That is how they grow and teach others to grow with them. Thank you. Thank you.